as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today on the podcast, we talked with Conrad Agusa, former Venture Beat writer and founder of Publicize. He shared with us his incredibly effective process for getting press and big publications, and none of it requires hiring a PR firm, having existing relationships with journalists, or any of the other myths you thought to be true. Super actionable advice in this episode. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute to thank Codeship for sponsoring the show. 
CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple and easy. And we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using CodeShip to deploy your product in a better way. We'd also like to thank InVision app. InVision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. This comes complete with unlimited screens and unlimited collaborators. Trust me, this is an essential tool for teams of all sizes. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. We're here with Conrad Agusa. He is a former VentureBeat writer, the founder of Publicize, a co-owner of the news publication Columbia Reports. Conrad, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So give us the quick pitch of Publicize. The Publicize was started because uh, I think traditionally the PR industry is a little broken. Most firms charge about $10,000 a month with uh, six-month retainers. And um, it's, it's not really affordable for most startups. And the thought I had was, could I create the same service, but as opposed to a six-month retainer, offer it month to month and offer it for $4.99 a month. And uh, it's grown pretty quickly since, uh, I guess, about a year that we started it. Amazing. So we were really excited to have you on to talk about getting PR as a startup. And, and you have kind of an interesting angle on it. Um, kind of fill us in on your background at VentureBeat and some of the stuff that you've learned. Yeah, I think when I was writing at AdventureBeat in New York, um, I had a lot of friends asking me to write about the startups. And, uh, and in many cases, I wanted to, but I felt that they were approaching me in such, um, even as their friend, in, in a really wrong way. And um, I think in general, most startups don't know how to get their, their startups featured on, on TechCrunch, on Mashable, on these sites. And um, there's, there really is a, a specific process that I hope... Uh, to, to kind of talk about and, and teach as much as I can. I, I think two of the things I, w- I hope to get across is that um, I don't think an entrepreneur needs to work with a PR company to get to get the type of uh, PR that they're looking for. And, um, and also that they don't even necessarily need the relationships with journalists to get the type of press if they follow the right process. So um, we're all, we all have startups. Um, what is one of the first steps that we would take um, in terms of figuring out what our PR angle is? Yeah. Well, I think the, f- the first thing to remember is that um, l- let's say you're about to, you're starting a company and you want to get it on TechCrunch as an example. Um, you need an announcement to be featured on those sites. So at VentureBeat, I had a lot of friends come up to me and they say, Connor, can you write about my company? And I'd say, sure. What do you have to announce? And they would say, Connor, I don't have anything to announce. And I'd say, well, if you don't have anything to announce, I can't write anything. So the next question is, people would say, well, what type of announcements would typically get on TechCrunch? And a startup will traditionally have this type of life cycle. On on day one, they launch their company. That's their first announcement. Typically, 10 to 12 weeks later, they might, let's say, raise 50,000 or 100,000 in angel funding. So that's their announcement that they make. 10 to 12 weeks later, they might launch, let's say, a new product. Let's say it's a a mobile application. Three or four months later, they might launch a milestone, announce a milestone, um, which might be 100,000 users. So your goal, you can kind of map out in the next year, maybe three or four announcements that you really want to highlight. And your goal as a startup founder is to try to optimize your 
PR and media coverage for each of these announcements as much as possible. So if you're not raising money, mm-hmm. what is important? Um, you know, I, like we don't have 100,000 users. We yeah. haven't raised any money. Um, we do have cool products that may be interesting, but what other kind of angles have you seen that work? Yeah, um, well, I think the, 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 one of the mistakes a lot of founders make is they think that the only time they can reach out for media coverage is only for funding announcements. Even when you're about to launch your company, um, I'd recommend reaching out to TechCrunch in these sites, or even a, even a different product or a mobile app as well. Um, I, I think in terms of the, uh, the angle, um, there, there are many other, but I think even more importantly that the angle, it's that um, you, make, you make the story as large as possible. So um, the, the, what I usually like to say is, do you know how when um, uh, you're about to go to sleep or you're about to go to the gym, you kind of daydream about your company, right? You think like, wow, in three years, we're going to have like, you know, X number of employees and we're going to be in this like really nice office or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So when you reach out to a journalist, that's what you want to talk about. Okay. You don't want to talk about, because they can visit your site and say like, hey, I see, um, like I could visit, for example, Hookfeed and say, hey, I, I know what the product does. I get it, right? But what's really interesting about the story is, hey, well, you know, where do the founders want to take it two or three years? You know, how are they going to make it a really big company? Um, so I, I, another example of that is um, I, I founded a co-working space in, in Columbia and uh, it's called Espacio, and we got on TechCrunch, BBC, and a, a few other publications. And uh, when I reached out to TechCrunch, I didn't say, hey, you know, we're starting this co-working space. It has, uh, here are the features. It has, you know, 40 desks, whatever it is, because that's not really interesting. Co-working space is open all the time. But what I tied it into was, hey, we're opening this co-working space to turn this city into the Silicon Valley of Latin America. Okay. That was like the big story that I tied it into. That was like the mission of the company. Um, so that, I, that's what I would, would always encourage founders to kind of, um, kind of they, they're probably already thinking about it, just translate their dreams onto paper, I suppose. And it's okay to kind of project is what you're saying, because, I mean, Absolutely. you haven't made it the silicon of, of um, Latin America yet. Right. But it's okay to project yeah, that mission statement and, and journalists will respond to that. They won't say, well, this is BS. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And um, uh, I, I think it also helps if you have a few data points to back it up. So as an example, with, um, with Medellin, I didn't just say, hey, we want to turn Medellin into the Silicon Valley of Latin America. What I said was, you know, Medellin just won the most innovative city on the planet. Like that was kind of one data okay. point. So, so there was something kind of backing it up or... If you were looking to disrupt an industry, you, um, you could say something like, hey, well, this industry most people don't know is you know, $20 billion worth according to XYZ. So at least they'd have some data points that would be a little more valid. Okay. So if you were going to take Hookfeed to TechCrunch mm-hmm. or VentureBeat, what kind of angles would you be um, asking uh, Matt and Joel for? Yeah. I would say the, the, the first thing would be um, is uh, – where do you see the comp? Like, I guess I'd, I'd ask you similar to what I just mentioned. Like, when you're about to go to sleep and you're daydreaming about the company, you know, uh, you know what, what do you see exactly? Where do you see the company going? Uh, you know, in you know a year from now, as an example. Right, and and I'm just even thinking practically about this. Like, say we were going to sit down right now and and write a press release. Um, mm-hmm. The the main announcement that you mentioned before would be that we just launched. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside so, from that, do you, 
do you jump into like your vision for where you're going to take it immediately on that launch announcement? Yeah. So what I would recommend you do is say something like, uh, like hook feed launches aims to that revolutionize would be customer mission. analytics. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Reimagine whatever it is. And that was a good example, kind of customer analytics, how like, Hey, you guys are starting off on Stripe, but at the same time you have these kind of bigger plans. Right. Cause when you think about it, even like, uh, every single company, whether it's Facebook or Twitter started off very small. And then would you recommend pulling in some of those external data points like the analytics industry XYZ um, or things about the market? Or is that more on in the hands of the journalist who's writing the article? I, I absolutely recommend. So when you think about it, um, most journalists, so let's say you contact Mashable, a lot of the journalists are paid per article. And they know pretty early on, hey, is this article that you send me going to take me 20 minutes to write? Is it going to take me four hours to write? And so your goal is kind of to look at the article that they're going to write and basically reverse engineer it into a press release. And what I mean by that is, let's say uh, you, you talk about wanting to disrupt an industry. Well, like the journalist is probably going to have to find data points about that industry, about how big it is, how much money. So if you can do that ahead of time and research that information and send it to them, you're basically reducing the friction that it takes for them to write the article, which is a really good thing. Right, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some key points in this press release that we need to hit when we're sending it in that makes um, a journalist's life easier? Yeah, um, I would say any, any research and numbers on the market. So a lot of people, you know, if you say something similar to, hey, this is a very large industry. Well, what does that really mean? Okay. As opposed to saying tangible uh Kind of tangible numbers. And you're not uh, going to write large industry, right? You're going to go find out the market size before you put up the absolutely. article? Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really important to highlight contacting a journalist is one to two points of social proof. So what happens is a lot of entrepreneurs would contact TechCrunch and they'd say, hi, my name is Tim. I am a bootstrapped entrepreneur. But the thing is, they're probably... 25 million other boots, you know, if not more, bootstrap entrepreneurs in the U.S. So that doesn't really differentiate yourself, as opposed to if you say, "Hey, like my name is um, is John. I'm a Y Combinator entrepreneur." So immediately they think, or I'm a uh, you know a Stanford graduate. Immediately they have kind of an, an uh, maybe they have friends who graduated from Stanford. They have this kind of connection. Mm-hmm. So it's, if possible, I'd recommend kind of thinking about one or two points that really differentiate yourself that can be very concise. And one of the things that's important is you don't need to have graduated from Harvard or uh, have gone through Y Combinator. Um, another company that I, that I helped, his point of social proof was that he was a 65-year-old founder. So we led with that. We said, you know, the announcement was 65-year-old founder, you know, uh, launches this company. And that's what really made it, made it interesting. So the second step after writing a press release, um, how do you get it in the hands of the journalists? And yeah. is your goal t- to just play the numbers game? Like, do you want to get it in as many hands as possible? Do you want to be really selective with who you send it to? What's yeah. your strategy there? So the, 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 to answer the, the first part, um, it's really important that you email a journal, the email any journalist. So at VentureBeat, a lot of people don't understand that about 50% of our stories that we covered were sent to tips at venturebeat.com. And most publications will have these emails, tips at TechCrunch, for you to send stories to. And a lot of people think they're not read, but those are read every day. Um, hmm. And um, uh, uh, other people, 
there's kind of a misconception with PR syndication sites, like uh, PR Web as an example. Those basically, you put a press release and it syndicates. I've never known of a journalist from a leading publication who said, hey, I just saw this interesting story on PR Web and I'm gonna cover it as an example. Um, this isn't to say there's no validity to using those sites, but like you shouldn't use a site like PR Web expecting a journalist to find it and, and cover the story. Um, at least I think in the, the tech industry. Um, so, which kind of leads into this, the second part. So let's say you, you, you know what your announcement is. Hookfeed's about to launch. You spend time crafting social proof, crafting this press release. Um, in, in many cases, especially for first-time first entrepreneurs, what I recommend is using something called an, ex, an exclusive. And what that means is a, journal, a, a publication like TechCrunch, they know, hey, you send me this press release, you're also sending it to like 100 others, right? Um, and if a TechCrunch writer is getting 700 emails a day, it, um, uh, it, it's very hard to stand out. But, but if you offer an exclusive, they know that they have the first right to cover the story, which, which is a really great thing because all these publications are essentially fighting uh, to break new stories. So ideally what you're going to say is, let's say, Joel, you say, okay, we're going to launch Hookfeed um, next Wednesday. So you email TechCrunch and you say, hi, I was wondering, oh, my, my company's about to launch. Um, would you be interested in an exclusive for, for the story? And I can actually send you the exact email I use to get one of my companies on TechCrunch, like kind of the exact format of it. But um, ideally what's gonna happen is TechCrunch would respond and they might say, hey, you know what, we're not interested. And then you could say, okay, well maybe I should email Mashable for the exclusive, whatever it may be. Or I, ideally they'll, they'll respond and say, Joel, we'd love to cover this story. Um, it's gonna come on online next Wednesday. And once the story comes online, you're gonna further coverage. So you're gonna email not only larger publications, but also, also medium size, maybe sites like Tech Cocktail, Beta Beat, et cetera, and try to further the coverage as much as possible. If, if you guys want, I can send you a link. My, my company actually spent 100 hours creating a free uh, tech reporter contact list. So we have a lot of those emails. Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. So um, is there any other tips that you have um, that we should know about when trying to get press? Um, let me see. Um, w w one of the things that's really important is that you kind of strategize ahead of time. So using the strategy that I recommended before, what, what happens with a lot of companies is they'll say something like, hey, Conrad, we're about to launch and we want you to get on TechCrunch. Um, but, uh, and we actually have some good news. We just got some coverage for the launch on this small blog. Let's say it's a very small site. And they think it's a good thing, but when you think about it, if, if somebody's already covered the launch, you can't offer an exclusive for the launch anymore. Because um, mm -hmm. people, the very first thing when you when you email someone, let's say about Hookfeed, is they're gonna Google search Hookfeed and they're gonna see, you know, hey, have people covered the story before, et cetera. So it's really important that before you launch or make an announcement that you kind of, you basically keep it as quiet as possible until you actually officially make the launch. I think that's a mistake I see, I see pretty often. So is a launch a beta? What, what stage should you be in for launch? It, yeah. it, does that matter at all? Because there's like beta list, there's some other stages, and those are still okay to do, right? Um, so I, I think the most important thing is you just, um, if, if somebody, I guess you'd have to ask yourself, if somebody Google searches hook feed, mm -hmm. would they see a story about it launching beforehand? Okay. Because okay. that could deter a user from, a journalist from writing about it. Um, uh, in terms of how people should approach it, I would always recommend, you know, when you're working on a product and you feel you're comfortable with it, even before PR, you should 
you should reach out to close friends and family and, uh, and kind of beta test it. And, um, and then once you feel comfortable with it, then you should go to PR. It's, it's more of um, just being aware that if you do get a lot of coverage, it could, uh, it could impact the results down the road. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, Conrad, thank you so much for coming on here and, and sharing this with us. I think we're going to be linking to an example press release. Um, mm -hmm. at the bottom of this episode. Mm -hmm. And so tell us, where can we follow up or keep up with you and Publicize online? Yeah, I think the, our website's publicize.co and uh, my Twitter's Conrad Igusa, my name. And um, yeah, I think those, those two places are great. Awesome, thank you. Thanks so much for Thanks, having Conrad. me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Tough.